0: Joining us now, people that really understand the great state of Georgia, you got Craig Kashishian is with us, educated cornell princeton Yale Law, served on the White House staff of President Reagan. Matt Towery back with us. This guy nailed the 2016 election, the 2020 election, knows Georgia as well as anybody. Uh, he alone it's interesting because Trafalgar's Robert Kahaley, same thing. I mean, they're both from Georgia. Uh, Matt's latest poll, Insider Advantage, has a 49 48 lead for Purdue, razor thin. Kelly Leffler, 49 48, one point race there. Matt Towery, welcome back. What is the state of this race? Looks very, very tight to me. Too, too close for comfort.
1: Yeah, Sean, it looks really tight. And you know Georgia as well as I do. And, and you, you have alluded many times to the fact we could easily have an ice storm in Georgia that could wipe out. Uh, voter turnout that day, which which is all the more reason for people to go vote early uh, and to get their vote in and counted um, in this race. Uh, I, I can't tell people in Georgia, particular, and the rest of the country how close these races are, really are. It's amazing. I'm looking at the turnout numbers, and I calculated today, Sean. I think right now the Republicans are between 100 and 110 thousand votes behind. Now they were uh, they were certainly at that level, if not more in the general election where you have a slightly larger turnout. So that doesn't mean that the Republicans can't win, but what it means is that Republicans have to get back out and vote like it's a general election, or they could lose both of these Senate seats in Georgia.
0: What's your take, Craig, as you analyze these, th- these two races, the runoffs uh, on the 5th?
2: The same as Matt. Matt and I are teamed up on this one, and he's a, a great partner. And I will tell you, what Matt said is absolutely the case. Georgia Republicans have to vote like they never have before. Their future and the country's future is dependent upon it. I see some positives. I see that our senior citizens are coming back into the fold. We need them now more than ever. Senior citizens of Georgia, we need you and you need... To vote Republican on this. Uh, point two, I do see another big moving item here, and Matt touched upon this actually. Matt uncovered it. Uh, we see that the radical left's positions on no bail, ad hoc prisoner release, closing down the Atlanta City jail, and turning it into some sort of playground are deeply disturbing to Republicans and Democrats. And African American women of all, of all political uh, affiliations are worried about this, as whites are, as everyone should be. This is a matter of public safety if you can't sleep soundly in your home at night then what the heck is government all about so these are the things that you know that drive drive polls and should be driving republicans to the polls
0: i mean there's so much on the shoulders of the people of georgia and by the way i don't think it's been particularly helpful i mean the only changes i see that they've made since november 3rd is apparently these drop boxes now are being viewed and monitored all right that's an improvement Uh, I don't know that they haven't changed the signature verification issue that came up during the general election. And this was part of a consent agreement that was made with the secretary of state and the Democrats that were suing the state of Georgia, Matt Towery. And uh, they're not changing any of the other other considerations that were given, which means that in-person voters voting. If you're there, you have to have an ID and you have the stringent signature verification requirement. That has your signature has to match what they have in the state database. Uh, that standard does not exist for people that do mail-in ballots. They haven't fixed it. It's ticked a lot of people off.
1: Well, you know, uh, to allude to Georgia, that that's all gone with the wind, so to speak, because there's nothing is going to change. The Secretary of State hasn't changed anything. And I, I had anecdotally yesterday some late conversations with some members of the General Assembly who said they're they're seeing. Ballots flying around once again, things not secure. I, I think there's an effort on the part of the GOP, and I want to give some credit to David Schaefer, the chairman there. He is, he is very smart. He, he, he like uh, Joe Gruters, who you know, Joe, he's the chairman in Florida who really helped deliver the win for, for Donald Trump. These are the sort of chairmen that you need, people who are savvy and know what they're doing. And I think David's doing the best he can to try to secure the ballots and get people out. But the, the problem is he's a Republican chairman who's very... Uh, true, true to his party, but you've got a Secretary of State who really is is fighting to, to instead validate something which can't be validated, and that is that, that he did the right thing in signing the consent agreement and creating those drop boxes and allowing to have this disparate treatment of ballots where you don't need an ID if you're mailing in for an absentee ballot, but you need an ID if you're going online or if you're going to appear in person. That None of that makes any sense, and it hasn't really changed. So that's why the voters have to make sure they get out and participate in this thing because we don't know if the quote-unquote cheat factor is zero or if it's the three-point-whatever percent that that our colleague and friend Robert Cahaley's put to it. We just don't know right now. And so it's, it's a very iffy situation. The other thing I want to know real quickly is that we also don't know. We've seen an uptick in the early voting a bit versus the runoff. What we don't know is if the Republicans are voting now early vote, and there won't be that big a vote on January 5th, or whether we'll still have a lot of the Republican vote on January 5th. All of those are variables that will really change the way these polls might turn out to be reality one way or another.
0: You know, if you you look at the UFOs. Okay, so what are the issues that are resonating the most? I mean, what what issues will get Craig people out and, and, and inspired to vote? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's every one of donald trump's accomplishments uh it's whether or not investigations will continue it's absolutely by the way georgia your vote here you'll end up paying to bail out new york new jersey california and all these states uh that have not been as fiscally responsible as you all have been uh put that in your in in your pipe and smoke it because it's absolutely true uh, open borders, that'll happen. Free health care for illegal immigrants, that will happen. Energy independence, that will stop. Uh, liberal activist justices, there will be many of them. Nobody will be there to stop them, uh, except if the people of Georgia, conservatives, patriots, um, Republicans, all get out seeing the, the magnitude of severity here and, and voting. I mean, I'm, I'm like begging the people of Georgia. I hope they, they understand what's at stake, Craig. Oh. Um.
2: John, you couldn't hit it more accurately. In fact, it's worse than that. Um, <laughs> there, there are ideas on the ground now in Georgia about giving everybody a guaranteed income in the city of Atlanta. That means the taxpayers of Georgia have to pay for the federal bailout and also for their, their citizens who are going to be on the dole. So the meta issues you just spoken to are right on. And Georgia patriots of all political stripes, whether you're a conservative or a moderate, please don't fall for the the hat trap that you know that Warnock and uh, and Ossoff are are moderates. They are not. They want to change the the undergirdings of American society as you know it, and it, the United States will not resemble its former self once the Democrats get control. So that's the big picture. But when it comes right down to the hearth again, safety, uh, security, living in your own home, and you know, without having uh, gangsters and 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 criminals uh, who are out on the streets, thanks to uh, liberal policies like this, come right smack home. And Georgians have to realize that they have to perform not only a service for their country, but to themselves, too. But the service to the country in terms of keeping these people out and keeping Republicans in check um, is, the, is the greater duty, the greater cause. I hope they hear this. I think
1: they will.
0: Your take, Matt Towery. What are the arguments that should be made by Leffler and by Purdue? on uh, these closing days i do like the fact that both of them are, are racing around the state to as many counties as they can get to and i think purdue promised 125 kelly leffler said something similar last night on hannity
1: yeah i so i start with the basis that don't run away from donald trump um donald trump as i've said many times on this program is not just politics he's a religion in georgia and in south georgia central georgia and north georgia If anybody thinks they're going to win without having Donald Trump help draw these people back out to the polls, they don't understand the difference between a regular politician and President Trump. That's number one. Number two, I agree with what Craig's talking about. I think the campaigns in their latter days need to become more localized. We've had a lot of ads running in Georgia that are national uh, in nature. We've We've had Mitch McConnell on, and we've had all these discussions of socialism and the like. But until you start talking about, hey, they really are shutting down the jail in the city of Atlanta. Is that really what you want to see happen in your community? Um, they really are talking about universal income, a pilot program in Atlanta. Do you think people are going to be able to afford that along with everything else? The Atlanta Braves, there's a talk about changing the names of the Braves. Uh, now, our, our colleague Robert Cahayley talked about that uh, just the other day. Th- these are issues that actually move people, and I think it, it, when you take them in the totality and you reach out to the various areas where they are there's some. Then you put meat on the bones of what are just saying someone's a radical and a socialist. And sometimes I don't like those terms because people get used to Agreed. those, just like they used to get used to the to the term liberal. And uh, now nobody now they, you call somebody a liberal and they just roll their eyes.
0: Craig, absolutely. Sorry, so Matt, what the, you were right. What would you recommend these candidates be talking about?
1: Uh, directed to me. I mean, I, 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 would, I would certainly recommend that they be talking about those sort of issues, but I think Craig could also add to that. Crime, taxes, your, 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 your business is getting
2: shut down in perpetuity. Remember, you're seeing this on the national stage. Mandates, restaurant. I live in California, Sean. Restaurants are dying on the vine. Small business owners are crying in their hands. That's when they come to visit Georgia, if you let the Democrats run the show. That's what's going to happen is True authoritarian government from the top down to impact every small town, every medium-sized city in the state, every resident. You don't want that. It comes right down to the quality of your life, and that's what's going to be compromised. That's what I would be running on, not to mention the national issues, but the the micro-issues that affect your way of life. Higher taxes.
3: Let me uh, tell you about the micro-issue
0: that every Georgian needs to know. You'll be bailing out every fiscally irresponsible blue state uh, in this country. You'll also, you'll, you'll permit them to change laws in ways you've never dreamed of that will impact every American. I mean, you like Donald Trump? Guess what? They'll harass him into the grave. They'll never stop if they had control of the Senate. That's one. Every accomplishment, they will undo it on day one if they have the power to do it. They need to understand it. All right. Thank you both. Craig, we appreciate it. Matt, thank you. Well, I'm not going to stop talking about it because it's that important. And that is 18 days from now. And that is actually ongoing with in-person voting in Georgia. And it is, it is so crucial. It is so pivotal. It is it, the consequences of which are way beyond anything that I think I could really even fully, completely explain more than I have. And uh, consequences for the president, consequences for the entire country. Um, Raphael Warnock, listen, we have new tape on this guy. I mean, you want to talk about somebody that has been radicalized. It's, you know, it's so amazing to me that all of this information exists and these guys think that nobody's going to care. I mean, this is a preview of, of coming attractions. This is this is what life would be like because he will be a rubber stamp for all things, radical, democratic, socialist. It is what it is. It just is, you know, reality. And this is radicalism from a guy... You know, they're, they're literally, if you want to preserve the president's hard work, if you want to protect the president's family, if you want real investigations into real abuse and power to continue, well, then George is going to be important to you because radicalism awaits. I mean, he, listen to this 2017 sermon. Warnock is, is preaching about wanting to dismantle the American empire. To
4: set the captives free and to preach the year of the Lord's freedom. In other words, I came to dismantle the value system of the empire but here's the problem the religious folk who should be fighting with me against the empire are in cahoots with the empire it's religious folk who are trying to steal money from the poor and give it to the rich through this terrible tax bill there's some jacked up theology coming from
0: American pulpits And then, again, this this is a guy we know about his extremist past, praising Louis Farrakhan, the Nation of Islam, comparing the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to George Wallace, repeatedly disparaging law enforcement officers, claiming Americans can't serve both God and the military. Wow. And you got the other extremist, John Ossoff. Well, he now appears to be taking his quids from Congressman Swalwell, and from quid pro quo, Joe and zero experience Hunter, because in a new ad that David Perdue has put out, they're exposing some of Ossoff's troubling ties himself to the Chinese Communist Party. Remember Christine Fang, his girlfriend, he doesn't say a word about the nature of the relationship. Raises money, gets interns in his office. You got to be kidding me. You know, he's on the House Intelligence Committee. Got to be able to trust him. What did he tell her and when? And we have a right to know, not because of any period interest of any kind. We just need to know if he's compromised. I already think Joe and Hunter are compromised by China and other places. Anyway, listen to the new ad.
5: News reports recently uncovered that John Ossoff's being paid by the communist Chinese government through a media company with ties to a tech giant accused of spying. Unbelievable, but absolutely true. John Ossoff won't hold China accountable. He works for them.
0: Now we're finding out, in spite of denying it, uh, that Raphael Warnock, by the way, defended this guy, Reverend Wright, brought him in as a guest speaker at his church in 2014. Flyer for the event found on Facebook advertised Reverend Jeremiah Wright, guest preacher, Warnock's historic Ebenezer Baptist Church, campaign spokesman for Warnock's uh, rival, Kelly Leffler blasted the move. Not only did he praise uh, Reverend Wright, Mr. G.D. America himself, he thought it was so great he invited him uh, to preach in the pulpit at his church. Pretty amazing. What's the state of this race? Matt Towery, he's with uh, Insider Advantage Polling, syndicated columnist, John McLaughlin, pollster, McLaughlin and Associates. Look, we've been going over this, this race. As this new information comes out, I've got to imagine, Matt Towery, and you're from Georgia, this, is, this has got to have an impact on people.
1: Well, I think so. I mean, Sean, you're from not from Georgia, but you spent a lot of time there. You know that state better than TV or radio. Um, it's going to be tight. We know that. Uh, I am seeing some signs that things are shifting a little bit in the direction of the Republicans. Some of these demographics, uh, that we can watch the turnout on a day-by-day level. And some of the demographics that they need in order to win are beginning to come into line. So I'm a little more optimistic about the Republican chance on the Democratic side, though, We've yet to see exactly the degree to which the combination of the way they count votes in Georgia or don't count votes combined with the rather brilliant efforts of Stacey Abrams, how much effect that's going to have. It clearly has had an effect. There's been a, long, a strong turnout early on um, in the early voting and the absentee voting uh, among the African-American community, and that's a lot of her work. But we'll have to see if the Republicans can catch up. It looks like they're beginning to do so.
0: All right. So my question is, Matt, there's 108,000 mail-in ballot requests from people that didn't vote on November 3rd. That concerns me, that number.
1: Yeah. And let me uh, address something that's going around the media today. To your point, Sean, there's a discussion about how the Secretary of State in Georgia is now going to have a, a signature check of, the, of every county in Georgia. That's not really true. What it is, is going to be a sample signature check done by the University of Georgia. I don't expect to see anything out of that that would equal what would have happened if we'd actually had a real-life signature audit. So, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of questions out there related to how these votes are counted, where they're coming from, these absentee ballots, and whether there's going to be any integrity in them this time, because there was a lot of question about the integrity the last time.
0: You take John McLaughlin, and you're following it closely yourself. That's true, because uh,
4: uh, I'm watching Matt's polls, the insider of polls, when, when I, I'd worked for Governor Deal in the past there, I'd worked for Doug Collins in the past there. They were always spot on, and and Matt's last polls have a one-point lead for both Senator Purdue. And Senator Loeffler—that's way too close, way too tight—and we know from the the, the November third election that the State Secretary of State didn't keep records of the six hundred thousand votes that were cast in drop boxes that were funded by uh, Mark Zuckerberg and and strategized by uh, uh, Pluff, uh, who was who was uh, uh, Obama's campaign manager—and it's amazing that the, the Secretary of State, without uh, authorization from the legislature signed a consent decree to allow these drop boxes to exist, where, you know, that's the tool for ballot fraud. And the Republicans here are struggling to to keep up with this, and they stole the election from, in effect... I'm, I'm
0: told the drop boxes, unlike the November election, are being monitored in real time. And they're also being videotaped. That's what I'm told. Is that not true? Or is that true?
4: Well, if you videotape them and you have no signature verification, you're seeing people go up there, drop 20, 30, 40 ballots into these things. And you don't know where they came from. Well,
0: I don't think... And are anything. people legally allowed to drop 30 ballots in a drop box? <laughs> Who's gonna, they're, they're just going up and dropping... Well, it's going to be on video. Then you that you, you you'd make an estimate of how... You, you You zoom in, you find out how many they're dropping in the box, and then you render them... Not legal. I mean, you don't get 30 votes. Nobody gets 30 votes.
1: But, well, Sean, Sean, just think about how, how much video helped us with State Farm Arena. I mean, we actually saw video of all kinds of things going on there. And even when they saw the video, they, they, it was right in front of their face. No, one, oh, it's fine. It was declared fine by the Secretary of State and everyone else. So, yes, you're not supposed to drop 30 ballots. But is that going to happen? Very questionable.
4: By the way, nobody stopped them last time. They don't have records. And we have a post-election survey where the 12% that voted in the drop box voted for Biden 73-27. Now, those are live people that we actually talked to. God knows what. They did. And there's no lock. So after the drop boxes, the ballots get picked up before they get returned to the secretary of state. What do they do with them?
0: They don't particularly like me in the secretary of state's office or the governor's (laughs) office. They just tend to not return my calls. I don't know why I'm a very nice person, Um, but they won't return my call. But I'd like an answer to the question about whether or not the envelopes with the signatures on them are going to be retained for this election, which they weren't in the general election, number one, number two. Uh, I'd like to know if the partisan observers, according to statutory language that're allowed to observe the vote count start to finish if they are making con- concessions and c- taking into consideration uh social distancing so that there can be real observation of the vote count is that does anyone have an answer because I'm not getting answers
1: I have absolutely no answer and I'm not my entire roots in my company are in Georgia and Atlanta. I just simply don't know um, I don't think any really anybody really does know I know this anecdotally, now this is anecdotally, a state elected official told me yesterday that their ballot was sent in, the absentee ballot. He scribbled his name, um, allegedly, to see if it was rejected, and it was not rejected. Now, I don't know if the actual check occurs now or if it occurs when they actually count the votes. It's hard to say. No one can give you a straight answer about the way Georgia elections operate, including the Secretary of State's office. That's the really alarming part of this but the good news is i think there will be more vigilance this time they know the heat is on and i think that will newer to the benefit of these republican candidates i don't think they'll get the treatment that trump had in the general not quite as bad
0: i've got to believe that there's got to be some concerted effort this time to protect the integrity of the vote uh and that would include voter id now on mail-in ballots is there any need for voter id john mclaughlin
4: no there's a need for signature verification and the voters in georgia wanted to have a special session for signature verification, 58% to 38%, and Governor Kemp didn't call it. And the country's watching this. We have a poll this week where we said, it's on our website, mclaughlinonline.com, do you believe there was election of voter fraud in the presidential election between Joe Biden and Donald Trump back in November? And among all voters in the United States, they said 46% yes, only 45% no. So people are seeing this, that President Trump, I saw the president last week at the White House, and, it, and he said, you know, they stole the election. I said, yeah, I said it yesterday on Hannity Radio. And he said, keep, keep saying it. And it's like, your listeners understand the more evidence that comes out. This, is, this was a national scandal where the, the, two, the two candidates, Biden and Trump, are separated by 43,000 votes in three states, Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin, out of 158 million votes, that decided the election, 37 electoral votes. So this election easily was stolen, and these drop boxes and the uh, Dominion system's uh, uh, voting system are definitely the culprits. And the more evidence that comes out that gets examined, the voters in the United States are seeing that there was fraud in the election, and Georgia needs to stop it right now before uh, January 5th.
0: All right, on pollsters, John McLaughlin, Matt Towery. We continue looking at a very, very two very close runoff races in the great state of Georgia. January fifth, uh, early voting going on now. Now I did ask Kelly Leffler and I did ask David Perdue this week if they felt confident that the efforts were being made for poll watchers and lawyers and and chain of of custody issues and the drop boxes. They they seemed assuring that there were what, 4,000? I think Kelly Leffler told me that they had 4,000 people volunteering to be partisan observers of the vote counting. The only question is, are they going to be six feet back, 20 feet back, 100 feet back? Are they going to be let in the building or not? Are they going to be kicked out of the building? That we are going to have ballots and suitcases this time, and only certain people get to stay after you throw out the media? I mean, I, I, I'd like to know the answer to these questions before the 5th, but, I, you know, the people of Georgia don't have the luxury to sit it out and wait for the answers, Matt. Sean, to your point,
1: uh, it hasn't been publicized in the newspapers and the like, but I've actually read the letter. Fulton County, the elections board, decided to fire one of the individuals who was actually working uh, as a poll worker, as someone who was helping look over how, how votes were being counted. They let her go after she testified at the Senate hearing that was held uh, that Rudy Giuliani and others testified at uh, just a few weeks ago. She's, in she's
0: coming on so the program comes- right in the next hour.
1: OK, well, now you know. So so that tells you they're not letting up. This is going to be hardball all the way to the finish.
0: Yeah. I, 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 you know, the thing about Democrats is when they get committed to something, they, they commit Republicans. Oh, they're just they're so unfocused. And, you know, the president sent out a tweet. Republicans need to learn a fight. The one lesson that Republicans should have learned from Donald Trump is that if you make promises, keep them. If you fight for what you said you were going to do, they will reward you with more votes. In other words, talk doesn't get you there. And from, for too many politicians, swamp creatures, John McLaughlin, that's all we get is talk. Talk, 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 talk.
4: And, and that's why the voters of Georgia need to get out and vote for Luffler and Purdue, Because if we don't get out, and, and now Matt, and I know uh, uh, Robert Haley, the other pollsters, They're putting in a a fraud factor. We need to overcome that with real people getting out there and voting because there were 5 million votes on November 3rd. There's already 1.1 million votes cast in Georgia, either in mail or early in person so far. And if our Trump voters don't get back out, um, it'll be a terrible
1: thing for the whole country. And we is that about the, the same questions.
0: percentage? I mean, you're not expecting a vote turnout similar to Election Day, are you?
1: I think it's, it's going to be getting stronger, Sean. Yeah, it's getting
0: You think stronger, this is going to be stronger than on Election Day?
1: No, no, no. Not stronger than Election Day, but it is getting stronger. I thought it was weak to begin with, but now the turnout's beginning to look strong for a U.S. Senate runoff in the wintertime, and that benores to the benefit of the Republicans. So that's that's why when I, we started the show, I said I'm beginning to see some indications that caused me to think the Republicans are picking up a little bit. But what we got to watch this. The early voting has to stay strong, and Republicans like to vote on Election Day. You've alluded to it several times, Sean. What if we have a, a winter storm? What if something happens and they can't get to the polls? So the more people... People who go to early voting for the republicans the better they do waiting till election day is probably not a smart idea
0: all right i'm going to let you both go here matt towery and uh our friend john mclaughlin and i i don't know how many ways times i can say it to the people of georgia but your country needs you right now uh even if you're angry and frustrated at local politicians state officials it doesn't matter he, we've got to try as the the great movie braveheart says we continue uh, with a lot more information on the state of Georgia, one thing that has really frustrated me um, in the course of this entire election and post-election is that we were told when impeachment occurred, at the, if you can believe it, uh, almost a year ago, that's what we were talking about, um, that we were told that whistleblowers were brave, whistleblowers were courageous, whistleblowers were patriotic. And the whole impeachment debacle, and it was, was based on an anonymous, and it turns out to be not even a real whistleblower, a hearsay whistleblower, non-whistleblower. And with one fact witness. Everybody else was either an opinion witness or a hearsay witness. The one fact witness said, no, the president said no quid pro quo, said it. Um, ignoring, by the way, the, the breathtaking uh, example of of quid pro quo Joe firing the prosecutor and zero experience Hunter. But I don't want to digress. All of these people that have signed affidavits under penalty of perjury, all of these people that have told their stories, notice they're not being called heroes. They're not being called courageous. They're not being called patriotic. They're being ignored by the mob. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. We have not ignored them. I have found their stories believable, compelling, enlightening— And, yeah, they've been courageous in telling these stories. There's even been some blowback for many of them. Bridget Thorne joins us. She is a Georgia precinct manager for AC-13, Johns Creek, and also a poll tech. She was certified, interestingly, by Dominion, who subsequently fired her for speaking out about what she saw as infractions that she observed uh, on the day, on Election Day and the days that followed. Susie Boyles is also with us. She is the Georgia State Director, National Board of Directors, who also worked on the day of the election, November 3rd. Longtime poll manager in Georgia says she suspected fraud uh, based on what she observed in the hand audit process. We bring back Garland Favorito is with us uh, to discuss the findings that that he has talked about with us in the past about Dominion and some other things. Now, Susie, uh, you're. I'm going to start with you. You're a longtime poll manager, and you suspect right. that, and you suspect fraud based on things you you saw. Now, did you sign an affidavit?
5: I did sign an affidavit, and
0: um, you know that's affidavit. under penalty of perjury if you lie on that, right? That's correct. Hmm. Okay. And you t- tell us what you said. You served over two decades. I understand it as a Fulton County poll manager. Tell us.
5: Um, if I can take just one second, our oath actually says, I will use my best endeavors to prevent any fraud, deceit, or abuse in carrying out the same, and the same means the election, and it goes on from there. Um, and I took that oath very seriously. I saw um, issues with a lack of chain of custody throughout, from the Sunday prior, throughout the election, seals were broken, uh, seals were non-existent doors with memory cards did not have the proper seals on them um our poll pads were not programmed properly and that was one thing that bothered me because they they reprogrammed them as they would my apple computer but i'll skip forward to where i was recounting um i was asked to in quotes audit um ballots on the 14 starting on the 14th and anticipated through the following wednesday that would have been saturday through wednesday um the first box we were given, there again, it was just taped clearly together, I mean with clear packaging tape. It had the secretary's seal slapped on the top, but nobody had signed it. So there was no evidence as to who had handled that box last, where it had been handled, and we were given a seal to seal it again when we were done. But we went through this box and all of a sudden these were set together in batches of 100, and one particular batch, when I pulled it out, was just such a stark contrast. It didn't have any soil from your hands or um, no little bending of the pages. They were stark white. They were pristine white with no folds in them. And this particular batch happened to have had a 100... And ten in the batch, which was unusual to begin with.
0: You know, I mean, absent- I'm listening. I'm listening just to your voice, and you know, doing talk radio for 33 years, you get to under, you, you get to know a lot about people but on their voice. You hardly sound like the type of person that is going to sign a legal affidavit uh, under penalty of perjury and lie about what you saw. So these ballots that are separate and apart are pristine, if I'll use the word I believe you used on TV, and no folds, no bent edges, uh, edges and you believe that that was a sign of fraud, because of the stark difference between the rest of the ballots, correct?
5: That was the first thing that made me pay attention to this batch. Right. The second, the second thing was the way they felt. They just felt differently, and I've been doing this for over 20 years, so you know, you know how things feel.
0: But the so you, And that's based on your experience of doing it two decades. Bridget Thorne, let's talk about your experience.
6: Oh, gosh. Where do I start? Um, you
0: got fired, by the way. I'm sorry to hear that. Have you gotten another job?
6: Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I was just a temp employee. I'm a precinct manager. I've worked about nine years as a Fulton County precinct manager. And I decided to get certified to be a tech worker, Um, and be trained by Dominion. And then I got called down to the warehouse um, to work as a, a poll tech. And, you know, down there, I just saw things like real ballots from early voting that weren't secure. You know, they just came in by the thousands from State Farm Arena. And just anybody in the warehouse could just open them up, dump them in suitcases. People left them, went to dinner, You know, they were just everywhere. Uh, But I was told, you know, don't worry about it. You know, there was no oath, no two people at a scanner. Uh, They weren't sealed when I left at 10 o'clock at night. You know, some of them were still just sitting on the floor in suitcases. The next day I came back. Is that that normal in all
0: the years you've been doing this to see ballots in suitcases? Why does that strike me as very suspicious?
6: Well, as a manager, if we open up the ballot box, we have to announce we're opening the ballot box. There has to be two of us there. A
0: a box, not a suitcase, suitcase, right?
6: Right, but we put them in a transport suitcase at the end of the night, and we have to seal it, and then we take it to two people have to take it to the check-in center because it can never be left alone by itself. So it was just kind of appalling that there's these people, they, and most of them were friends and family of Dominion that were working down there, except for the poll techs, and they were just taking ballots and dumping them out everywhere, and I don't know. I, I was concerned. I expressed my concern, and I was scolded that they've been doing it all week. Don't worry about it. Um, And then I was in charge. My job down there was to print test ballots, and we printed real ballots on real paper. And they would go lost. They would go missing. I could print whatever ballot I wanted to print. And one night, late at night, I found people printing random ballots at the stations. So that was just kind of a concern. Um, And then the day of the election, um, we are given emergency ballots in our precinct. Uh, my precinct got 400 emergency ballots. And these emergency ballots are also absentee provisional emergency ballots. So they can be used for all three purposes. Um, and mine didn't show up for my, my 400. They gave me just cheap, simple yellow paper ballots. And when I called the warehouse, they couldn't find them. And they still, to this day, they I don't know where my 400 absentee provisional emergency ballots are. So that was kind of a concern, and I went through the proper channels. Um, I, felt my, I felt my concerns were bipartisan concerns. I, so before the election and after the election, you know, I, I sent emails to Fulton County Elections, never heard back. I contacted the Secretary of State before and after the elections, I never heard back. I called into the State Board of Elections meeting, and I was muted after 15 seconds of speaking. The first time They I don't that, care. Cass- Let me tell
0: you what it is. Yeah. Isn't that sad? They don't care.
6: Mm. Yeah. The first I hear back is two days ago when they told me I was no longer needed as a precinct manager.
0: After 10 years, you're, you're done? No more help from you? mm
6: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I'm sure you I get paid a get lot there, of money honestly. doing that, don't you?
6: I do just, yeah, loads.
0: Um, Yeah, yeah,
6: the the same person that sent me the letter to tell me I was no longer needed is the same person that prior to the election wanted to know if I'd be interested in instructing other poll workers.
0: Unbelievable. All right, as we continue with uh, real whistleblowers, you know, the brave, courageous, patriotic type that the mob has been ignoring, uh, Bridget Thorne, Susie Voiles, and Garland Favorito are with us. Let me bring in Garland and, you know, on top of your story, which you've told us on radio and TV and you're hearing all of this, you know, the one thing that stands out in my mind and really I find extraordinarily frustrating bordering on rage at times is nobody wants to hear from the Susie Boyles, the Bridget Thorns or the Garland favoritos of the world. And, you know, the brave patriotic label of whistleblowers goes out the window. Your thoughts.
7: Well, thank you, Sean. And uh, you're right. I'm really upset about what happened to Susie and Bridget because I know them both uh, personally. And uh, what is really frustrating me, let's add a little bit more to the story here. That the, just minutes before we um, uh, are recording this actual show, the Secretary of State says that he is uh, issuing a a call and for against uh, the firing of Bridget and Susie, but what he didn't do, this was political cover, because what he didn't do, he didn't open an investigation into why they were fired. What he did was he put out a press release, so I just want to make sure that it's not just Fulton County it was bad enough, but the Secretary of State is still continuing to cover up for Fulton County, and that's just totally unacceptable.
0: You know, um, listen, I will tell you that it is it is just an amazing thing. As you as you all watch this, Bridget, you get fired. Susie, you've been doing this for decades, and nobody wants to hear from you people. Um, I always thought the American people were the heart and soul of everything that makes the country great. And you're I just trying to tell here. your story, all of you signing these affidavits. And I'm like, nobody. Does, does anybody from the media in Atlanta ask to talk to you besides me?
6: Well, I guess uh, CNN uh, is too far away. Well, <laughs> hey, um, Sean,
7: that's that's a great point, because there is a blackout here of this whole issue by the local news media. And we have to go to folks like yourself to actually... Are covering yeah, we're
0: stuck with you, Hannity. You're all we got. Go ahead. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah,
0: you're making me you're feel great, Carlin. I'm feeling great about myself. Go ahead.
5: That's okay. We love you.
7: Well, you used to live here. So. But, yeah, so, so that is very frustrating because we have all these sworn affidavits, and then you'll get a news organization to just polyparate whatever the Secretary of State says is un- when it's unsubstantiated and it has no basis in fact, or, or substance. And, the, and they'll, they'll quote that, and then they'll let these, all these sworn affidavits that we have made just uh, go down the drain and be ignored. So it's very, very frustrating for the, for the get local news media coverage here.
0: Unbe- unbelievable. Well, the only thing I can say is thank you to all of you um you you know i i I think i can hear a lot you can hear somebody's heart and their voice a lot they always say that radio is a heart medium and i'm sure it's not easy but most of you or none of you had ever signed a affidavit before but you did hear because you thought it was that important and so many others hundreds and hundreds around the country have only to be ignored by news media that only seems to like anonymous hearsay whistleblowers not the real people with real eyes on the ground that have real experience in some cases decades and the irregularities that happened in all of these states um, the sad tragedy in this is that we you, we get to a point the american people don't have faith trust confidence uh, and a belief that there's integrity in our elections and we got another one on january 5th in your state anyway i'm going to give you final thoughts bridget what do you want to tell people
6: um, I just want everyone to know I was. You know, I'm reluctant to go to the media. I'm not a public person, but I'm just forced to when there's been no response from anyone in charge. I finally got the chance to testify at the Senate hearing. I thought somebody in elections would respond. And instead, a senator tweets out that she seems to, forced to listen to bonkers conspiracy theories. And now, instead of addressing the potential fraud, they've decided to fire the whistleblower. Where does a concerned citizen go? I, I mean, it's just so frustrating. Is anything going to be fixed? Is anyone listening?
0: Uh, is I that... really begin to wonder. You know, uh, the, the, the trust I have in institutions is now almost completely eroded away. And all my thoughts over all these years that it can't happen in America, it happened. That's sad. Bridget, thank you. Susie Boyles, thank you. Garland, thank you. We appreciate you telling your story. I know it's a big ask. I know that the country is putting a lot of pressure on Republicans and conservatives and patriots down in Georgia. Um, the only thing I could say is I'm, I'm not asking my friends in Georgia to do anything that I myself would not do, and that is put a lot of urgency in the Senate runoff races, um, and I'm not, uh, in spite of your own local officials, and that, of course, being the governor, lieutenant governor, and that idiotic secretary of state you have. Uh, I understand people's frustration with all that we've learned that went on down in Georgia. I'm not going to go through all of the details. We've been giving it out all week. Underage people voting, people that moved voting, people that never re-registered voting, dead people voting. We, we have it all chronicled. But that does not, you know, anger towards Kemp or any of these other Republicans does not help the country. And, and if you support the president... You know, it's been four years of a very, very heavy lift uh, on hard work, dedication, and and just grunt work every day, just grind work every day to, to fight for the changes that he implemented, and all of that hangs in the balance, and it hangs in the balance not only for Georgia, but for the entire country, and so it's a big ask, I understand completely, but there are good people in elected office down in Georgia. There was a hearing down there yesterday with Garland Favorito explaining the inconsistent voting spikes for Joe Biden on election night. I do hope that the people of Georgia, the, the, the elected officials in Georgia, I, I hope they're watching chain of custody with these drop boxes, which they should. I hope they're making accommodations that every vote has partisan observers I hope they're checking the voter rolls of every single person that makes an application. And in terms of an absentee or a mail-in ballot, I would hope that they would have fixed the signature verification system so you don't have two standards. I guess that's too much for somebody to ask for. But putting that aside, here's from yesterday's testimony. This is before uh, the Georgia House in their committee hearing yesterday.
8: Fast forward to 8.22 a.m., a woman with blonde uh, braids brings in a skirted table into the room. The room itself, I believe, violates uh, Georgia law for transparency, but the skirted table, I would think certainly should do that. At 9.30 a.m., after the delay from the uh, water main break, that never really was a water main break, it was just a leaky uh, toilet or urinal, Um, (laughs) excuse me, urinal, Ballot processing began and it continued through the day. At 10 p.m., everything seems to be normal. The same woman in blonde braids, now dressed differently, uh, came out, changed clothes, uh, with a different change of clothes, announced that the processing will stop for the night. You can see back here, the observers are uh, present at that time. The observers are still present at 10.40, but everything has been closed up here the monitors still stayed, And at 1055, the monitors and the Fox 5 reporter leave. But the four workers still remain at least four, maybe more. 1103, the woman in the uh, blonde braids begins to pull out uh, suitcases from underneath this um, skirted table. 1104, another suitcase goes out. And 1105, the supervisor pulls out another suitcase from under the skirted table. 1110, The scanning of these ballots continued uh, back in the here in this area where there's at least four scanners. They do about 3,000 an hour. The scanning continued for approximately two hours uh, with no one present, all in violation of Georgia law, as near as I can tell. At 1255, the scanners leave uh, after scanning uh, approximately 15 to 20,000 ballots onto memory cards. And 1.35, 135. 40 minutes later, there is a tremendous spike in in the votes for Joe Biden. A hundred thousand uh, vote spike. See how inconsistent this is with everything else. This is the time over here on the left hand side, and this is the the votes uh, that went up. The the, the Biden's uh, change and Trump's change by. Uh, time frame of each of these feeds.
0: What you're hearing there is Garland Favorito who is now testifying yesterday before the Georgia State Senate uh, exposing what is remember the videotape that we saw. He uh, joins us now. Uh, Garland, thank you for being on the program. So just to let people understand the reason you're talking about a woman with blonde braids is because that you're looking at the videotapes that we've all seen, correct?
7: Yeah, that's exactly right, Sean. Um She was the woman uh, who came out and put the table out there, and she was also the one who uh, started the the but the uh, excuse me the ta- the suitcases from being removed and the whole ballot processing from starting. She was the one also that told uh, everybody that they weren't going to process any more ballots, and then they continued on for two hours scanning ballots illegally with no monitors there. Yeah, and By the way, you would be
0: called what's called a whistleblower. Well, what's interesting about this, and I want to really go through this in detail here, is that there, the media was in the room. You mentioned, uh, I believe it was Fox 5. Uh, you had the regular observers in the room. They're asked to leave the room. Then you go through very specific detail as where the ballots were under the table. They lift them up in the suitcases, take them out, said no more voting's going on for the evening. Not only did you watch the vote counting then begin again, but only with the few select people in the room without the partisan observers. But then you're watching the vote tally go up in and around the same time. That's something that nobody else had tied together before.
7: Well, exactly, Sean. Now, technically, I was not in the room that particular moment. So, the, I did observe at the State Farm Arena on several occasions, and I was trying to provide context for the legislatures uh, so that they can understand what was going on. But you're right, um, that was the key piece of evidence that I wanted to provide at the Senate hearing when I was booted off the, the, uh, agenda list by the chairman. And I could have tied that back a week ago to show that 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 burst of hundred thousand votes came right after that, all for for Joe Biden. But I was scheduled to go up by the president's legal team, but they, the chairman booted me off a week ago.
0: Okay, so they they did. Now, what was the response as you were presenting this uh, before the Georgia State Senate yesterday?
7: Yeah, yeah, it was it was the House uh, yesterday, Sean, and it was crickets. I was expecting to get a lot of uh, questions, um, and they, and particularly from the Democrats, um, but I didn't even get one challenging question on my whole testimony. They just moved right on uh, and kept going, um, and then they did come back. One of the uh, uh, friendly representatives did ask me a question, but I was kind of, I was really kind of surprised. I thought uh, I would get some really, really. Uh, aggressive questions, but uh, particularly from the Democrats, but what's ironic about the whole thing, Sean, is that uh, I was in the trenches with the Democrats last year when we opposed House Bill 316 that led us to this disaster. That was the Republican establishment last year, and now this year, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, the system proved to be as bad as what we believed last year. So I guess uh, that might have had something to do with why they didn't ask any aggressive questions, but there's just there's no answer, you know, uh, there's just no response to this. It's compelling evidence, and no one can refute it.
0: You know, it's so interesting that what are you hearing from from fellow conservatives in Georgia, knowing that there's now this disconnect and anger towards the governor, the secretary of state, lieutenant governor and others. And yet we have the this runoff race. Today's the 11th and January 5th. Voting starts in in three days. We got, you know, Monday in person early voting begins in Georgia for the Senate runoff. That's a big deal.
7: Absolutely, Sean, and it's a great point that you brought up. And there is just tremendous anger down here with the governor, um, in light of the compelling evidence that this election was stolen from the president and the governor not calling a special session to uh, to address the electoral votes of the state of Georgia. The Republicans in Georgia are are really really upset and. Um, there there's just a uh, you know in in addition to that you've got the secretary of state covering up for these these Fulton County operatives who it's appear obvious that stole the election uh, I I never would believe that the secretary of state of Georgia the Republican Secretary of State would allow the Democrats to steal a presidential election, but that is what they're doing right now. They're in tremendous cover-up mode. The Republicans are so upset about this um, that you know, and all the governor has to do is call for the legislative session and resolve this issue at the legislature uh, at the legislature on Monday and award the electoral votes properly. Uh, because you know the pre- this, this race was stolen, and I told them yesterday, the steal is real, and and the president deserves the Georgia electoral votes.
0: You know the the problem is is that I I think for voters now they they've got to bifurcate and compartmentalize this because and this is what I'm trying to get to the heart of here. Do do Georgia Republicans, conservatives, patriots, do they? I, I'm sure they do understand how impactful these runoff elections are, whether they're, they're angry or not. Am I wrong? Listen, I'm not asking them yeah. to do anything I would not do myself. Absolutely and if this was right. me no, and this was, state, like this was my state, this was my election, I guarantee you I'd be out there voting.
7: Absolutely right. I mean, uh, all the Republicans want to vote. That's not the issue. What we're concerned is that these same operatives will steal the U.S. Senate race. They're still counting votes in Fulton County. They'll be counting the, the votes again in the U.S. Senate race. And uh, if they can steal the presidential race, they will steal the U.S. Senate races, both of them. And that's the concern right now. And the Secretary of State is allowing them to do it.
0: All right. We really appreciate your update us garland thank you and we're watching very closely georgia it's a big ass the country needs you uh this transcends anything to do with any locally elected or state elected official uh this is if you care about the president and the hard work and the agenda that he's accomplished you you got to try you got to give it your best shot um i'm not asking you to do anything i wouldn't do i would vote and i would do it enthusiastically and it begins monday pretty scary scary times really all around uh let's say hi to mike is in north carolina what's up mike how are you glad you called
3: sean yeah hey since election day i've been in georgia uh five days as a republican volunteer and i i'm here to tell you you know garland stole some of my thunder but uh, it's a jump ball down there i can tell you from being on the ground uh there is the 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 voters are disheartened they're they're they're, honestly there's some apathy and i think it's going to require all hands on deck the next three weeks to get the results that that Republicans and conservatives want to see in Georgia. It's going to be razor close. And I just think you know, we have to make them understand that every Georgia voter is equivalent to fifty to hundred Americans. They have to understand that, and uh, I'm not sure that message is getting. And
0: approved. as you're as you're talking to people on the ground, some people are feeling apathetic. When you talk to them, can oh, you convince Sean, them?
3: People like you and I, we're so connected to it, we live it, we sleep, drink, and eat this stuff.
0: But no, I know, and not everybody person, does, which means totally that you and I are losers. I accept that I'm a loser. I'm not calling you one. I, I'll speak for myself.
3: Yeah, but in this COVID environment, people, that, like Garland just said, they feel like fraud enabled Biden to win Georgia, and they lack confidence in the state's ability to secure this runoff. And if you even lose 3 to 5% of people because of that, that can be the difference. And there, there is. They're disheartened. Madison Cawthorn in North Carolina just wrote a great message out about how he understands why Georgia voters would be disheartened. He's right. He's got it. We've got three weeks to change that attitude.
0: Listen, I, I I'm sympathizing with the people. I'm uh, I am more angry and frustrated at these so-called Republican elected officials in Georgia than I am at anybody else because they they, you know, and I'll tell you what it really is rooted in. They don't want to have to admit they were wrong. They don't want to have to admit they screwed up. They don't want to admit the consent decree uh, was not constitutional. They just want to hide. What they haven't figured out yet is they're never going to be elected again. But that's separate and apart for what's happening in in less than a month now. Three weeks. It's ridiculous. Uh, Anyway, appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for all you're doing down there. And we're, we're begging the people of Georgia to please help us. Help the country, please. We need you.